the field of internet things has grown so much. There are like entire careers and specific aspects that used to be, you know, I could handle all those concerns and doing everything well is kind of impossible to do by yourself, I think, let alone just kind of staying up with what's happening. Foster Commerce. It's the Commerce Minded Podcast, a show where we go behind the scenes to talk with the people who make e-commerce tick. Retailers, consultants, agencies, independent creatives, and developers, they're all here. I'm Stephen Callender. Our guest today is Matt Stein, the plugin developer behind the new Snipcart plugin for Craft CMS. So we talk about that and other things, um, and so stick around. Welcome, friends. Welcome to April. I hope that you are having a great start to your Northern Hemisphere people, your spring. We've got flowers blooming where we are, so we're putting away all of our winter gear. I just kind of went through my house a little bit, and uh, we cleared off our coat rack. We uh, put some stuff away, found a jacket that I haven't really worn all winter because I forgot that it was dirty and <laughs> was supposed to go to dry cleaning. Uh, it never happened, so uh, I guess I'll wear that next winter. Yeah, so we're uh, putting away uh, winter and getting ready for spring, getting ready for our uh, beach bodies for the summer. <laughs> so my son, um, he knows that we're going to the beach in June, and he knows the sequence of events. So my my parents are coming into town in May. So after Grandma and Grandpa come to town, then it's going to be his baby sister's birthday. She's going to turn one uh, in June. And then after that, we're going to go to the beach. Um, and so every day he asks, is it June yet? And we're, we're trying to teach him the the months of the calendar so uh, since his last name is calendar right all right we'll put that one away but uh you know what i've been doing so i don't care about the whole beach body thing in a sense but um i am working out so i will admit uh with some great shame that i'll try to hide and not talking with with shame in my voice but that i i weigh the, the most i've ever weighed and i think this happens to people who one get kids you don't have as much time to to go and do things, but also people who are kind of sedentary in their jobs, you know, like mine, just sitting at desks most of the time. And especially working from home, it's kind of too easy to snack or to, to have a larger lunch than I should probably have or things like that. But anyways, so I am starting to work out and my wife suggested that I go to this place called Orange Theory Fitness. And I've been going, I've been there for... This is really my second full week. I skipped a week because my son was sick with the flu. Holy crap, that's a whole story. I had the most terrifying event in my life happen um, a couple weeks ago. Holy crap. All right, so I'm doing this workout, and I'm doing Orange Theory Fitness, and um, it's really hard to squeeze in schedule-wise, but I just am committed to to making it happen um, just to be healthy for my kids, and I love it. Holy cow, I love it. It is exactly what i what i like and what i need it has tons of like cardio and rowing and running and kind of more core type weight stuff so interval training type things but if you got an orange theory fitness near you like you should go check it out it is really good so we'll see what happens there i signed up for like this premium membership i'm gonna go four days a week as much as possible i had to skip all week last week because my son was homesick with the flu can I tell you that story real quick? So uh, Matt Stein is, is, is it's an amazing conversation. You can jump ahead. If you're like, hey, I'm, I'm here for Matt. No hard feelings. I get it. Uh, Matt's a great guy. Oh, I learned that Matt's from uh, Ohio. So we start off that way. So anyways, you can go to that if you don't want to hear about my son. But I had the most terrifying moment. She's <sighs> so my son was home. This is a Saturday. And he had he woke up with a fever. So he kind of came into our bed in the middle of the night, just really kind of upset. And we just thought maybe he had a bad dream because he has those sometimes. So he's five, right? But he has a fever. I'm like, okay, so we'll just kind of watch him. And my wife went out with our daughter to a birthday party. So I'm here with my son and he is, his temperatures are kind of rising. And then it drops for a little bit. And I got really excited. I was like, oh, all right, good, buddy. We're just take it easy. You're going to be okay. But like 10, 15 minutes later, I hear this really panicked kind of scream concern noise from his room not not scream but like i can hear it in my head but i don't know how to describe it just a panicked sound i go into my son's room and he's he's having a full-on seizure um, i forget a grand mal seizure and i flip out 
Um, so I didn't know. Thankfully, now I know that he should have just been. I should have just rolled him to a side because I knew that he was kind of foaming at the mouth. I didn't know if he was choking because he was had been eating lunch. Uh, so I go in there. He's he's full on seizure. He's terrified look in his eyes. I mean, obviously he doesn't know what's going on. I picked him up. I threw him on my shoulder because I was worried about his choking and stuff. So I just wanted like his you know his tongue kind of hanging down. And then I pick up my phone. I call nine one one. And I run outside. So at the same time I'm outside, I'm yelling help like as loud as I can because I have no idea what to do and I'm terrified. I'm honestly terrified my son's about to die. Like I had known nothing of these things. And thankfully I haven't experienced any of this before. So I'm yelling help. I'm on the phone with 911. I can hear them saying, sir, please slow down. We can't understand you. And I'm telling myself like slow down so they can get here. But I'm like trying to tell them my address. I'm like, my son's having a seizure here's here's the address come and they're like apparently not hearing and at that moment my wife pulls up to her nightmare she pulls up i'm outside with our son passed out yelling help so she takes over the phone and tells 911 but i can't imagine for her also like just pulling up at that moment when her husband is outside terrified like uh with her son passed out on his shoulder um and not knowing what's going on so all that to say um, he had what's called a febrile seizure. His his temperature rose too fast. He ends up having the he ended up having the influenza B confirmed. Went to an emergency room. It took care of him. He kind of came to a little bit slower than we wanted him to, but I think we were home within three hours. He was fine. He was just home. We just watched his fever and stuff, and he was home all week. So, holy cow, that was my um, beginning of April, and um, I don't want to ever experience that again. But uh, all is well now, so we're all through it. And um, <laughs> where do you go from there? How about let's just go to a conversation with Matt. So here's a great conversation Matt and I had. I had never really chatted with Matt before. We talk about some his plugins, Snipcart, and we talk about other things as well, of course. So enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. You're in the Northwest, right? Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Which part are you in? Uh, the Seattle part. The Seattle part. Um, have you been there your whole life? No, I have not. I actually started in Columbus. No. Yeah, I grew up in Gahanna. What? Gahanna? That's really close to me. So wait, hold on. Now I'm now we're going that direction. So okay, you grew up in Gahanna. When did you? How long were you here? Uh, through I guess high school, and then I went off to college in upstate New York. Um, and then after graduating, uh, I just wanted to go somewhere different for the sake of going somewhere different. Um, and it was either Boston or Seattle and Seattle was further away and more interesting. So it's further away and more interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was more of an adventure. And I'm, I'm like a pretty timid creature. That's not caution to the wind. Let's just go for it. But you know, I make like a few big decisions like that and then just kind of see what happens. And that was one of my bigger ones. But yeah. We've been in Seattle for like 12 years. We spent two in Florida diverted from my wife's work and, and then came back. Wow. Okay. So you've been around. You've been a lot of places. You put a lot of miles on our cars. Yeah. How, how many miles are in your car? Do you know? Actually, very few. Surprisingly few. It's like 10 years old and uh, it's got, oh, I forget. I'm going to tell you the wrong thing, but it's it's shockingly few. We put less than 5K on them a year. Really? How does that work? We work from home and don't commute and and it's fantastic. And we live in a little dense neighborhood and can walk to most things. Where's your favorite place to walk to? There's a place called the Beer Junction. That's a fantastic place to go. At like our, our neighborhood's called the Junction. It's, it's like little name, and um, it's a place that has you know like every beer you could imagine available and rotating taps. And it's awesome to go there at like a two on a Tuesday with all the old people and, and weird people that don't have real jobs and and just hang out and it's real quiet. And uh, that's the kind of lifestyle we live like off hours grocery shopping and stuff like that. That's pretty awesome. I, I want to do that. I miss that. We we had that a little bit in Argentina. We lived in Buenos Aires and it's just city and just kind of walk around. I don't know if you ever had the thought. I remember when I was growing up and sometimes even now, but less so now, but I've always wondered like how there's so many cars on the road during the day. Because what I knew was that my parents were always at work and I just assumed, you know, you assume like everybody's the same as you. Or everybody has the same types of jobs, like you're stuck in an office. And I just didn't understand, like, how are there people on the road right now? It didn't make sense to me. But you're one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Where are these people going? What are they doing right now? What are their lives like? Like, you just want to flag them over and pull and ask them, like, where are you going? That would be a really good show. 
I would watch that, I think. Yeah, I would too. They should have some comedian do it. So it's charming and because people would be creeped out. I'd keep going back to jail and having the police called and stuff like that. Would you be like timidly walk? How would you approach a stranger? I'm pretty introverted, so I have to have a game plan. It takes like 20 minutes of, of pre-gaming, like one line, and then they're gone by the time I'm ready. They're gone. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm not shy. I'm just a, I'm a strategic uh, social encounterer. So how long have you been married? Man, just going right for the jugular. Uh, oh, good. I've got help. What is that? Nine fingers, nine years married. And we've been together for longer than that. Is that helpful? Yeah. Well, I guess in the sense of like, then what was your strategy of? Well, actually, we met um, my senior year in college. We both had graphic design degrees. So we were both finishing up our senior year of design school. Um, we worked together on a project and despised each other. And not like a rom-com cute way, but like an actual seething kind of way. How, wait, how wait, how was that manifested? Like how did, how was that shown? Uh, we are both team leader type people. And I was the actual team leader in a class, a senior class that um, we were designing uh, an installation for the Susan B. Anthony house in upstate New York. And the teams competed to design and build this thing that would go into the Susan B. Anthony house and the winning team, you know, would actually produce it and get it installed. So it'd be like a real life thing. We had different approaches. And um, I had just come off of, of another course where I decided as an experiment in a different class, I was not going to be the team leader. I was going to let somebody else do it. I was going to, I was going to be a really good team member, you know, to teach myself that uh, just to make sure that I wasn't like too type A or something. And of course, the person that led our team, like never shared contact information. And hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're going into this other group really as a, your own personal growth experiment as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned like, if, if you're good at something, just do it. Like I'm, I'm, an, I'm a good, I think thoughtful team leader, but yeah, it, it failed miserably just sitting back and letting somebody else do it or the wrong person happened to. Oh man, you must have been really annoying. Yeah, it was tough. And, but anyway, so I came off of that class thinking, you know, okay, fine. I've, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Just embrace the leadership thing and going into this next one where I, where I met my future wife that I wouldn't have believed in at the time. If you told me that was going to happen, I was a team leader. She had some ideas that were different from what we were planning on doing. And I basically said, yeah, that's great. Sorry. <laughs> and she went and met with, you know, the person that was in charge of the museum and came back to, you know, another meeting for the class and said, you know, I went and talked to the client and she said, everybody's got this one thing wrong. And I was annoyed and impressed at the same time because she was the team member I've always wanted. And she was stubborn enough to just go and like, figure out what the right thing was to do. So we strongly disliked each other because we each, I guess we're both fairly strong-willed, but then started working together really, really well. And after the class ended, you know, everybody collected their credit and moved on, but we're both the type of people that stick around to finish the thing. So we did, and we just kept working together with the professor that class to get the thing made and installed. And we just never stopped working together. This is the gist of it. <laughs> Uh, we spent enough time with each other that we started to enjoy it. And then, the, you know, at some point got married. At some point along the way. Yeah. We decided, like, let's make this official. Yeah. But we, we work really well together. We we say we're each other's arch nemesis and it couldn't be more true. It works well for us. So, so do y'all work together now? We do. She has had a different career path. We, when we moved out here, um, she went and worked for an agency called Gervin, which um, Tim Gervin is kind of like a famousy, uh, did like matrix titles, does a lot of brand work. I think it's pretty well known. I went to work at a really small interactive shop that was three partners that had each done agency work separately for a couple of decades and then started their own small thing. So I learned loads working with them, doing flash development with the design background, doing flash development, doing sites for like Microsoft games and, and stuff like that. But I learned a ton just listening to them talk about, you know, winning business and positioning and design. They were just really, really strong designers. And I was just kind of a fly on the wall doing stuff, trying to be indispensable, and then eventually left that to try my own thing. And I'm more than a decade into that at this point. Um, but she's worked at bigger companies at Microsoft and Capital One and left. I keep thinking it was like yesterday, but it's probably three years ago. Left five years ago. I'm getting <laughs> she's in the room. It's good that you have your research analysis behind you. Yeah, I'm really glad that somebody <laughs> remembers how long these things have been. Um, this is kind of a blur to me, but she, yeah, she left a creative director position at Capital One five years ago, apparently, to work with me kind of on and off. But we also bought our first house 
some number of years ago and she does like everything <laughs> like kind of remodeling ish projects and a lot of like landscaping and outdoor work and stuff like that so she's our our contractor which helps a lot nice so, so for your web work that you're doing do y'all have projects you work on together or is that something you've not really done with no we do um, it depends on the client and the project um she knows corporate the corporate world really, really well and like huge branding efforts and internal communications and stuff like that, that I, I haven't really touched, but as a contractor, it's really rare to get that kind of work. Cause who's going to look at two people and go, Oh yeah, this makes sense for a huge company. Yeah. So sometimes we'll work on stuff. Um, she'll do design work on things. It just depends, but we've been doing more and more development lately and we're trying to figure out, you know, what that means for what we do and how we work together and, you know, what kind of stuff we take on. So that was a long way of saying yes, sometimes. I'm still imagining you going to uh, down to your beer junction and like kind of stopping in and, and seeing all the, uh, the older folks who are midday stopping in. And uh, I don't know, them even looking at you and maybe having that same question of like, what does this guy do? <laughs> you know? Like, what's he doing today? So, so what, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your beer then? What are you? What are you drinking? I'm I'm in the dark range of beers, so I don't get really excited about hops, which is the cooler answer, I think. The IPAs, right? Hops, IPAs, right? Yeah, I can't stand that stuff, man. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, and you're willing to say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Left hand milk stout, I love. Well, I'll say this: so my my favorite beer. I thankfully I can get it from the corner store down just like right into my street, but it's normally really hard to find in the Midwest. It's it's obviously gotten easier, but it's uh, Alaskan Amber is one of my favorite beers. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's just it's probably really common. It was common for me in LA, but that's what I think about because I think I first had it in Seattle when I was out there visiting. So yeah, Ambers are the stuff I like. So if I were if I were joining the you know if I were down at the beer junction with you, I'd want to order an Amber probably, maybe the Alaskan Amber. If you're in the neighborhood, you should walk up there. And just stop in, you know. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be good. That'd be good. So we're talking because you kind of hit the scene recently, the craft scene with um, pretty awesome uh, software. Uh, you came out with a plugin um, for Snipcart. So for people who have craft builds, they can bypass commerce, the, the first party plugin, and, and use Snipcart as an alternative. It looks phenomenal. I wanted to, to give it a run before we chatted. Didn't happen, but it looks phenomenal. So, so tell me about it. Tell me the um, for people who don't know what Snipcart is. Be the salesperson for Snipcart, or like you're probably like, yeah, yeah. Why would anyone do this? Um, so Snipcart is something I've been working with for a long time, and it's um, a different approach to integrating commerce with not just a craft site, but any site because it's a it's basically commerce as a service. So it's a SaaS product um, made by friendly Canadians. I guess that's redundant. Canadians. Can I hold on? No, no, no. So I, I need to push back on that. I have a lot of so yeah. I have clean yeah. So my one of my project managers and one of our developers is Canadian and some of the nice people. So yes. But some of the rudest possible clients I've had have been Canadians. At least maybe I shouldn't say they're outright rude and they're like they'll say mean things. So I should probably tame it back a little bit. Maybe this is still nice. All right. I'm, I'm hearing myself talk and realizing that maybe I have personal issues. Um, <laughs> but I've been ghosted by more Canadians. The percentage of my interactions with Canadians and how many of them have ghosted is really high. So I don't know if it's they avoid conflict. You know, if they're like, hey, no, we don't want to do this thing. And so they just disappear. I still love Canadians. So now enough Canadians to be like. I get evidence to the contrary. I just, I like the idea of liking Canadians because I just, like Canada, it always feels like a civilized place. I don't know. I guess I just ignore that evidence for reasons unknown. Yeah. My, my wife, we would love to be in Canada, by the way. So I'll let people go. Have us. you gone to Vancouver? I, so I've never been. But that's where that's where our you know, our other team members are in that, that area, Victoria and Vancouver. But I've never been up there. Oh, it's a magical place. I'm not that proud of being American, but I'm I'm too lazy to change citizenship. And if if it was not a big deal, I would just... Also, if I could sell like four kidneys, I would live in Vancouver because it's beautiful. Isn't it the most expensive real estate in the world? I know it's really expensive, but I don't I don't know official stats. So let's say yes. I don't have a good transition back to Snipcart. We'll just do a we'll just do a hard a hard transition back. 
<laughs> but getting back to Snipcart, basically, I, I was asked to to build a project uh, that another designer had, had laid out um, for a small client, relatively small budget, years ago. And we were looking. I think this is before commerce existed, and we were looking for a way to add a pretty simple cart to the site. And Snipcart was there; it existed. Tried it out, made sense. Um, it was really easy to implement. And and the big reason is that pretty much everything happens on the front end. You basically put metadata into your buy buttons to define what a product is and have a few cart options. And then you configure everything in their control panel. And in easily less than a day, um, you add some buttons to your site and you can have products with shipping and tax integration, tax calculation, and a lot of the things that are kind of annoying and definitely annoying to figure out yourself, um, especially for a small project, you can still offer those things. So started worth working with it long ago, ended up building a private plugin uh, for a Craft2 site that I published and it was okay. It was like a wrapper around Snipcart. And then it was only more recently that um, I was adding ShipStation integration that I realized this could actually be useful to more people. I hadn't published the Craft3 plugin and I've always wanted to have a commercial plugin and something I could kind of build and grow and, and support. And it just seemed like a great opportunity to do that. So I took it from its private state to something that I thought would be more publicly valuable and flexible with a lot of emphasis on webhooks, which basically you could set up a quick front end, but then still have the ability to tailor, you know, a bunch of more complicated commerce flows by hooking into things immediately after an order happens or after a customer updates their profile or something like that. And I'm, I'm hoping it would be useful for people that are building definitely not these huge massive commerce sites. I don't think it would be a good replacement there, but it's definitely worthy competition, I think, for the right project where you may be looking at commerce light uh, and feel a bit constrained by it and be able to add a lot of stuff very quickly that's uh, pretty painless to uh, integrate with a, a small to medium-sized site. Is The basic installation then for it is you just add, as you said, some metadata and then buy buttons and then pretty much all of the other content is stuff that you would, you know, have in your craft install. So like images and Yeah, exactly. So you so you still can control the the content architecture and content modeling kind of, of your of your store in a in a very craft way and then just throw in those buttons. Yeah, and you don't you don't even need the Snipcart plugin for a craft site. The plugin will make it easier. If you've never worked with Snipcart before, it offers things that will make your life easier. So for example, you don't have to use them, but there's a field type for storing basic product information like a SKU and pricing and shipping weight and dimensions and stuff like that. You can just drop that into an entry or an element and then take advantage of some things like quantity deprecation, you know, when an order completes and stuff that are just available with settings if you do use that. And then of course there's like a little twig helper so you can just spit out the right button without having to go through their documentation and figure out how to um, set up your button or convert everything to their their silly metric system or anything like that. And then uh, on the other end of it are made events that tie into their webhooks. So whether or not you use the stuff for the front end kind of doesn't matter. But then uh, you can just supply your craft URL as a webhook and use native, native craft events to hook into um, like a dozen or so different things that they'll fire off and you know send information with it. So you can provide like live shipping adjustments or uh, tax adjustments or not just things after the order, but during the checkout process. So you can make adjustments in places that completely make sense, which can be really helpful. And I put a ton of time into making sure those are really, really stable and reliable because who wants them not to be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess when I, when I think about like, like Snipcart 2 and one of the advantages that it has is one is like for people who maybe even have like built their store somewhere else. Like, so I know one of the challenges that people have is like, so they have a store that's built in like WooCommerce or some other situation. Right. And it, what I like about what you've kind of made available is it allows kind of almost um, for people who, who need to try some stuff out before kind of diving full in. Um, like when you're moving to craft, you're moving to craft commerce. Like there's these massive builds that sometimes you want some of these sites or even for ones that are, if you're considering commerce light, like, you kind of have to make the decision like both CMS and the the cart situation. So the fact that like, you know, it's ahead of its time and I guess now everybody's caught up to it in the sense that it's, 
it's somewhat in the vein of the fact that it's a software service kind of thing, e-commerce as service. It's like that's a new thing that that a lot of people are promoting and kind of going whether it's officially headless or not, but it has a sense of like being um, separated and you kind of be controlled separately. I guess all I'm, I'm saying is like I've heard of situations where Snipcart would be a really solid solution for them to take one step at a time. So like if they're in a woo and like a WordPress and they're committed to WordPress at the time and they don't really want to reinvest that. And if they're thinking about adding store stuff, it's like, we'll start adding like snip cart stuff. And then you can use that same snip cart profile, you know, whatever your store is in snip cart. And then you can change CMSs later and just kind of that, that sense that it's not, it's not directly tied to that. You can just switch your CMSs or you can switch other things and it allows you to be more nimble um, for people who, who might need to be because they're, expecting to grow, but they're not there yet, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the good news and the bad news about it. Because on one hand, it, it, it can move really neatly between sites on completely different platforms. You know, you just basically make sure that your your front end and then your webhooks are consistent. Um, and then you can have the same store experience with a different platform. It also lives really well on top of the Jamstack, which is kind of exciting. And then at the same time, because it's not, it doesn't offer the deep integration into craft that commerce does, that can be a limiting factor as well. And, and a, exactly the same reason not to use it, which is where I think it's never going to compete with Commerce Pro because there's so much flexibility that's deeply embedded into the, the whole platform. So so for maybe somebody who's who's thinking through, well, should I put my client on Snipcart and introduce that to them? Or should I just stick with Commerce or Commerce Pro? What would you say are, are some of the key points of, of making that decision? I don't know. I mean, the size of the store, the amount of customization you need. I feel like I don't do a lot of e-commerce work, but every project I've worked on has had some specific need that has been a challenge to whatever I thought the somewhat <laughs> apparent, straightforward setup would have been. Um, there's just always, always something, and it, and it completely makes sense. And I think it offers a nice amount of flexibility for very low startup time. So I, I would say. Don't trust Snipcart. Don't trust the plugin. Try it because you can get something functional in half a day and evaluate whether or not whether it's going to flex enough for you or not hopefully the documentation is really clear whether it's it's for the plugin or snipcart itself there's a team to support it but the time required to get started with it is so low you can try it really really easily and decide whether or not it's going to be useful for you i think that's one of the main draws is, is it takes so little time to get started with you can just kind of try it and if you accidentally set up a store faster than you thought and <laughs> are, are have it working, great. And if it's not the right thing, you're not going to waste a ton of time investigating that either. Yeah, I think it's very attractive, you know, especially yeah for people that it is more of a, you know, maybe it's not their core long-term business. Um, or, I mean, in the sense of it's not like big, massive store. We're talking about with like tons of, you know, variations, customizations, or, you know, logic flows in the checkout system or things like that. So, so speaking of even like the checkout process, so how, how does that work? Cause I haven't actually haven't even seen that in Snipcart yet is like, once you start clicking by, is that something like it pulls up kind of a modal on the side or like a, yes, they have a modal for, um, I mean, of course you can control a lot of it, but they have a modal that your buy buttons interact with that. You initialize, of course, the JavaScript to, to make that modal available and everything. And then they have kind of a style kit if you want to customize that or basically skin it kind of. And then there's a JavaScript API as well. So you can tailor things like um, commerce settings and things that need to happen on the client end. But yeah, they have a modal that has, I think by default, four tabs, basically, you know, guest or account login, and then the card itself. Um, these are out of order. So cart items and customizations and quantities and stuff like that. Then your login, then your address, billing, and confirmation. And then you can add fields to the cart if you want to. Like if you have, uh, if you want to collect order notes or gift notes or tie into, um, I know you can tie into like Google cart recovery tracking. And they have a few different things for uh, tying into analytics and piping people back into certain parts of the flow. But yeah, they probably have a pretty robust connection to a lot of like e-commerce marketing tools um, and services, uh, so people can do one just their own tracking of like who's doing what and what point are dropping people, you know, what are the conversion rates and stuff like that, and then 
imagine there's stuff like connecting for well i'm I'm actually even guessing that do you know if there's much in the sense of like upselling cross-selling in that cart view or i've not added upselling and and, and cross-selling in the cart view I, that's something you could obviously do with the site but i have not tried that so i can't give you a good answer I, I, well, I guess you already answered it. I was thinking through like, because you could do Snipcart by yourself, but then the benefits of of having Snipcart installed is that you've kind of, um, or as a plugin, is that you get a lot of like handy kind of built-in stuff, like fields that are already kind of up and running for you. So Twig stuff that you can just pop in and, and it works. But then the other benefit it seems like you have is is within Craft itself is that you have a really nice kind of dashboard with some reporting and, and analytics. Is is that something that you spent some time on to, to try to get right? Yeah, I mean, that was a critical part too, because it'd be hard to introduce Snipcart to a client and then have them use different control panels. You know, I always try, the great thing about Craft is it's so customizable, you can really have somebody focus on it. And even though Snipcart's dashboard is good and does everything you would need to, I would hope we could tell a client, here's where to manage all your products and see your stats and stuff like that. Um, that's something I'd, I'd like to spend more time growing out. But yeah, um, the store stats are there, released a recent update that makes them more browsable so you can check trends from, I guess, whenever you want to. And then there are dashboard widgets for that as well. So being able to keep pulse of, of the store, um, investigate abandoned carts, things like that are all part of that. If a couple things you can also do from there, um, like issue refunds uh, for an order and create discounts, create and delete discounts if you want to. Can you create orders? So like as an admin, so something you can kind of create. So if somebody phones in uh, to place an order or something like that, is that something that's easy uh, for customer service agents to do? That wouldn't be a hard feature to add, but that's not something that's part of it right now. In addition to creating Snipcart coming out with this, well, let me ask you this too, because I've had a lot of conversations on the show with other developers and kind of even, I guess, the business side of, of plugin development and like what to charge, right? And so what, what was behind your decision? So it's 149, right? For right now, for your first? 179. 179. What goes into the math for you on that from the business side? A lot. Uh, I, I mean... <laughs> To some degree, it's a shot in the dark. I've not, this is my first commercial plugin. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> um, with the time that went into it, it was more of a love project than one that I, I think is going to fund a swimming pool or something. But I looked really carefully at what it does, what commerce does, what commerce light does. I think the, as I made the comparison chart that you'll see in the, the GitHub repo and in the docs that compares it to commerce light and commerce, um, basically I was trying to figure out where its strengths were. I ended up putting the ShipStation integration was going to be something I was going to release later. I actually decided to move that into it sooner because it seemed more valuable. But basically trying to to find something that felt spiritually right in the context of commerce and commerce light, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I think that comparison chart and the pricing and kind of what it does, I mean, I it one, it definitely shows the features, and it shows kind of like that comparison of like how you how you see it comparing to the other ones. But yeah, I mean, I guess there's always that decision of pricing it so that it's not then maybe you did it for you know, and as you said, it's a love project kind of in the way of building it, but then supporting it is not something you probably wanted. Yeah, and I knew it should not be five dollars because uh, knowing how commerce projects work, I think the support burden for that would be just awful. <laughs> I, I want somebody to, I want the price to signal that somebody should look at it, have serious expectations for it and, and support expectations and just, and consider it to be the, the serious thing that it is. And then also I expect that it's, it's I mean, it's going to be used in commerce projects, which is not a lot of, or sorry, e-commerce projects, not to confuse the terms and not like, not so much like a personal blog or just like a a fun side project or something. So I'm taking all those things into account, but on I don't have like a spreadsheet or, you know, a, a real grown up justification. I just landed in a place that, that felt vaguely right. You'll develop your own, um, your own data points now. Yeah. I'll, in hindsight, I'll, I'll make them up and in, in a year. I'll have, I'll have a really good reason <laughs> for why it's not. Exactly. So in addition to this then, uh, so like what, what do you typically busy your, your day with and your week with? Like what, do you, what are you doing when you're um, not at Beer Junction? 
learn things. I'm trying to get better at focusing on things that have a potential income component to them. Just all kinds of stuff. Like I, I don't do that many things, but I get pretty into the things that I do. Work-wise, a lot of client work, a lot of quests to try and stay on top of things like the Jamstack and newer technologies. And you know, I'll go on a deep dive, a good example of, of really wasting time in a fascinating way. I really liked Web Faction. It's a really strong, the best possible shared web host, which is it's just going to offend a lot of people. But they got acquired by GoDaddy. And if there's one thing that I, I don't tolerate, it's being acquired by GoDaddy. So I was looking around at other options. And of course, there are like no good shared hosting options. So I finally decided to embrace, you know, running my own VPS. And then I went on a deep dive to figure out the best possible, you know, most secure, best way to do that. I spent hours and hours and hours benchmarking different options. And I made a blog post about that, which is excessively detailed, but I have a spreadsheet of comparison that doesn't matter. It's not billable time. And that's the kind of thing I do. I just like, I want to learn how to do a thing better. And I spend a lot of time doing that. So I'm actually spending time. One of my goals this year is to cut out these mountains of private plugins that are unfinished. And like I have uh, Laravel apps that I've built for things that only I use like a scheduler and, and I'm trying to unturtle a little bit. And my goal is to either open source those things, make them services I can charge for or rely on somebody else's thing and focus my time on things that are better for the business. Because I just like learning and connecting things. And uh, as a person running a business, I don't, I mean, it's kind of fun. I, I like learning stuff. Accounting can be interesting sometimes, but Wait, hold on. what does that mean? Accounting can be interesting. So does that mean I do all the things like I do accounting and tax stuff and not payroll because I use Gusto and I'm really happy about that. But anything that's involved in like running a business or doing the things that we do, odds are I don't outsource it. And I do it myself because I like learning that thing and touching that thing. It's why I like client work because I love understanding how somebody's business works and trying to use the things that I know how to do to make their anything run better, which is why I'll end up doing like consulting for big companies that need the designers to speak with engineers or something, or for really small clients that need a lot of different stuff from, but the budget for, you know, only one agency or one small shop to handle it. But then that extends to other bizarre things like I make my own lip balm. Um, I've sewn what I think is the perfect manly reading pillow. Just, you know, like I love making pasta. I just, uh, you know, stuff. <laughs> so you want to so see, I mean, you're a per, like a perpetual learner. Like you just love kind of just, yeah, just diving in and learning. And it's, it's so funny. Actually, before we chatted, I um, reached out to your podcast uh, co-hosts. At times, Mr. Andrew Welch. And I said, if there's any uh, things I should be aware of talking to you. And he said, well, definitely ask him about the things he makes from his dead chickens. From his dead chickens? Basically. Yeah. Here, I'll read it. I'll read word for word what he said. So, so I can get <laughs> some context. Maybe. Hope I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is what he says. He said, just claim he makes his own soap, toilet paper, and gasoline from the remains of his dead chickens. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's too far inside of a joke. No, he's not far. Off. I think he's entertained at how how interested I am in recreating the wheel in every aspect of my life. Because usually I'll I'll tell him what I'm doing, and he'll say, "Huh," and that's how you're spending your time. And that's not literally his words, but that's the gist of it. And I'll go, "Yeah, you know, you're right. Why am I doing that?" But yeah, I just have an innate interest in how things work and uh, making things and. Um, it's just always fun for me. But tell me about the pillow. So there's a company in Seattle called Filson. They originally outfitted um, Gold Rush people or something. So they've been around for a long time and they made things out of old timey. What we would now, they're now what we'd call a heritage brand and their marketing it reflects that. But originally there was nothing heritage or hip about it. It was just like really sturdy pants for people cutting down trees, you know? And, and I'm not that guy, but I like to think that I am. And so I'm really attracted to these, like the pants you can buy once and not have to replace them for 10 years. Cause that also aligns with some values that I have and a disinterest in shopping for pants. But so I, I like how they make stuff. And, um, I went on a reading spree not too long ago and I decided I was going to buy old timey obsolete fabrics, like really, really thick duck canvas and flannel, of course, and build the perfect pillow that's over-engineered 
totally over-engineered. It's going to have a pocket in it that will fit any paperback book and or my little iPad that I'll read on. I designed it. I got the pieces for it. I got twice as much fabric as I needed because I was an art major and not a math major. And uh, you go through a lot of fabric, figuring out what the plan should have been, at least when you're me. And I made it. And it's pretty embarrassing, but it solves the problem. It has a pocket that my wife loves it because what I created, it has a little like slot that I can put my glasses in as well. It's the perfect way to crush an iPad and glasses if you put it down and somebody else sits on it, which is what you do with a pillow. But that's the things in my universe in a nutshell. I've gone to a lot of trouble to like learn something and it's interesting to talk about and ultimately nothing at a competition level. <laughs> when you find somebody else who's like come up with other inventions, is that something y'all could just like sit forever and just like kind of talk about the things you're... Yeah, I love it. What what about... So I recently kind of moved us even back into uh, the web world a bit. So you, you're you on a recent episode. You're on a lot of them. The episodes on devmode.fm. Yeah, they just keep letting me on there. Yeah, they, they, they do. You're doing all right. <laughs> They should, they, should, they should keep having you back. But on there, one of them, I, I really liked, there was a recent one where you were talking with some of the proponents of um, CSS and JS. And you were you were kind of the um, the foil, I guess. You were the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the one pushing back. And, and it was basically, it turned into a conversation of try to convince me to think this is a good idea or worth considering. So for people who haven't heard that, like, what? Did, how did you walk into that? Like, what were you thinking? And then did you walk out any different? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I walked into it anxiously because I didn't know enough about the world that these guys that were being interviewed lived in. I'm getting comfortable with, with Vue and React and more front-end modern JavaScript, but that's not where I've come from and that's not where I spend a lot of time. So the idea of CSS in JavaScript seemed just absurd to me. And I thought, well, this is, you know, feeling absurd about the thing you're about to be recorded talking about. Yeah, maybe not. Great. And Andrew said, no, that's perfect. Just ask your questions, do your thing. The odds are other people have the exact same questions. So I just blindly trusted that and did. And you can hear me, if you, if you turn the volume way up, you can hear me thinking while we're talking. And, and eventually I realized that I was just applying old expectations to a thing that's new is kind of like my experience with Webpack. Like it doesn't really make sense until you've experienced the problems that it solves. And so I came out of it more enlightened, hopefully not offending those two people. Or uh... I don't think you did. I thought it was really good. I, and, and I appreciated that, that kind of like the role, one of you just kind of being very, very kind of like, I don't really get it. Clearly you weren't like dumb about it. It wasn't like, you're like, I don't get it, you know, but it was just like, no, I I'm not sure we're we're connecting on like what the core problem is. You know, I guess even as you said, like what's the problem that it's solving that you hadn't seen it before. But I think one of the things that I remember hearing you say, and, and I've said it over and over again, I, it's it's easiest way for me to say it is like I'm, I mean I'm not really a developer. I can code. I can get in, especially if somebody's already built something, and I can kind of take that and run with it. So I call myself like a copy and paste developer. But like that type of stuff, when it comes to new technologies, like. I need to see how somebody else has kind of done it and any of that stuff. So I appreciated, it seemed like you had a discovery of like the component baseness of it. You know, like when you're working with components and that's your challenge, if you're like, you're trying to componentize things that, that there's a benefit in that. So yeah, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I always learn from new ideas. I think my motto should be confused, but committed, not committed in a, like a mental hospital way, but like committed to working through the confusion, even though maybe that other one works sometimes. Anyway, one of, one of the unbillable projects I've worked on is, is redoing the site we just relaunched for our company, but with uh, Gatsby, which means getting comfortable with React. And every, every React component I built, I was just trying to translate Twig into React. And then I realized where that was kind of a failure of imagination. And then it went back. It made my Twig better and more component-like. For me, that's the rush of learning stuff is like I'm always kind of changing my mental models of things. And then it has it makes an improvement on like stuff I already knew. And to me, that that's like the most fun part of approaching new concepts and ideas. But it's also really challenging because I'm the field of Internet things has grown so much. There are like entire careers and specific aspects that used to be, you know, I could handle all those concerns and doing everything well is kind of impossible to do by yourself, I think let alone just kind of staying up with what's happening. 
So that's what I'm trying to, my spirit quest for this year is just focusing in the right places and, and figuring out specifically what not to focus on, doing the Marie Kondo, thanking things for their service and, and letting them go. Thank goodness for Marie Kondo and the whole like, that filter of like, you know, for some people it's oversimplified, but I like it. The does it spark joy, you know, kind of thing in that sense of it, at, at least like not going into stuff that not maintaining stuff in your house, not doing stuff for work, like all of it of life of like, at least evaluating, is there some joy in this? Is there something like, are you just, is it kind of this routine? So I why am I dragging this old thing around? Yeah. Yeah. I also like the name of your, of your company working concept and hearing you talk, it makes a lot of sense. It like, it fits the way that, that you're describing how you think and work and the things that you enjoy and, and how you kind of get in is like, you know, it's the uh, confused but committed. You know, that could be your. <laughs> That's what's what works really well with clients too. Is it obviously it's not great for everybody, but I work with a lot, recently a lot of startups and people that need kind of like a lot of different thinking, but without the ego or I, I don't know, just just being like kind of flexible and and a little bit scrappy and figuring out how to connect different things in a way that you know is focused on the business goals and not just for the fun of it. But it works really well for some clients that I enjoy, you know, really good relationships with. So I imagine like if, if say there's an e-commerce company, right? Maybe it's a startup one and, and they've got a cool idea and they, they know got, they've got a cool idea or they're convinced they do. And, and they're wanting to come up with some u- unique, whatever their website is, is, is some sort of unique way of selling and, and kind of integrating and stuff like that. It seems like you would be a good partner to have to kind of think through stuff and to try to problem solve and and come up with a way of presenting or delivering some maybe far out idea that they might have and that you'd be game. Like you're like, yeah. <laughs> I may not be the right person for that. I'd be the right person to start with um, because I would also say if the things that I know and the things in my universe, I'm not really... I think if I hired a business coach, they would say, what are you doing? But (laughs) I would talk with them and be genuinely interested in what they were trying to do. And if I wasn't the right person, I would try and find them the right person for that and not convince them to see the world through my lens or something like that. So I'm I'm usually a good person to start with, even if we don't end up working together, Um, just because my passion is, is truly like helping make something better or solve a problem or make something more clear than it was the day before. Yeah. This is like the, the discovery process. Yeah. It's kind of that for you. Yeah. So for future projects, is there anything that you're really excited about coming down, down the, the pike for you this year? <laughs> Strangely, it's the projects I won't be maintaining anymore. I have a list of things to get rid of this year, like domain names that I bought that are for things I will never make or things that I current, like I have a contract signing tool that I'm very excited to just stop maintaining and using. Like it, I'm really excited for the stuff I'm going to get rid of because of the focus that it'll give me for things that I want to put time into like Snipcard. And I have a scheduling, like a, I don't know if I sent you my little scheduler link, but something very similar to Calendly, but in some ways that I wanted it to be more flexible um, and something I could brand. Um, I've been thinking about turning that into a service and exposing that rather than getting rid of it. Otherwise, not sure. Right now, I'm just uh, trying to do my best to make sure everything about Snipcart is like super clear and that anybody that reaches out gets fast, competent support. And I've never done this before. So to some degree, I'm just excited to, to try and do it really well. That's pretty awesome. For the Calendly piece, that sounds, sounds amazing. Um, so as one person in the world... Let's say I would love to see that. <laughs> I've, that's good to say. So I've got one in each column. I, I spoke to somebody else that um, you recently um, interviewed who said, oh, that, nobody's going to want that. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't say who because they're very friendly. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. It's probably an idea that occurred to them 10 years ago. but And they're like, no, it's not. Yeah. I, th- I think it could be useful though. So, so you don't yet know if it's your pillow case idea yet or your pillow idea or if it's the pillow idea just needs refinement. It's hurricane proof. I mean, and it does function as a pillow. It's you're, just, you're committed still. Kinda. Yeah, I'll get back to it. That's pretty awesome. Well, hey man, it's been great talking with you and I appreciate you taking the time to uh talk about Snipcart and and other things around it. I love learning that you're from Columbus area. So you, actually let's wrap up on that real quick. So do you still 
feel like you're from like Ohio and Columbus? Is there is that part in you? Because I wasn't born here, so I don't know what that feels like. Um, I feel like an outsider still. Are you still Ohio, like Ohioan? That's tough. Yes and no. There are things that still get me. Like uh, all of my siblings went to the Ohio State University, and I didn't, and uh, you know it was disappointing and weird and everything. But when I when I hear the um, oh man, I don't even know what it's called the the alma mater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trumpety thing. It still it still stops me. And I'm still no matter what I do, I'm still the most average person that I know. At the time when I was growing up, Columbus, the limited brands and a bunch of, you know, big companies are based in Columbus because that at least at the time when I was in high school, it represented the most average slice of the US. So a lot of Well, for people who don't know, Columbus is still like the number one like testing place for restaurants. Like Okay, good. Yeah. So like fast food restaurants or anything like that. Yeah. So there are no mom and pop places. It's all either huge chains or something that looks like a huge chain because they're about to be one. So moving to Seattle was like, wow, everything's mom and pop. There's not a Walmart within city limits. Like it's the total opposite. And it's just like magical land or something. But no matter what I do, I'm still I, I feel like I'm I'm just striving to be less average than I started. But, you know, I'm a five foot something white guy doing web development. I mean, like I am, I'm kind of like a poster child for average still. So I'm just, I'm striving to, uh, so I feel like that's genuinely, you know, to help you out a little bit, it's not average to, to not like, um, like hoppy beers. I mean, apparently as we talked about, that's like the rage and everybody like loves their like double hops and stuff right now. So, if if nothing else, we've uncovered and identified two ways <laughs> in which you're not average. You know what's funny though, too? So because my wife being from Ohio is I don't know if you catch this, like on TV shows, movies, all the average people are from Ohio. Cause all the movies are made, you know, on the coast, like New York, LA, and that. So whenever they're like somebody's like, Oh, I'm not from here, like back in Ohio. Yeah, it's almost a joke. It's like they needed it. They needed a place to have them be from that wouldn't elicit any specific feelings in the audience. It's always Ohio. My wife pointed out she hates it. She's always like, "Why are they always from Ohio?" And I didn't catch. I didn't at first. I was like, ah, "Whatever," you know. And then I just see it all the time now. It's like it's all the back, all the characters, you know, like everybody who's like was from. It's so funny that Ohio has that. And the best thing about Columbus, though, and and nobody else in the entire country, maybe the world, but I'd have to consult a map, can appreciate is that anywhere you want to go is within two and a half hours. Bordering state, a lake, and for anybody that's not intimately familiar with Ohio, it's like the most squarish shape in the union. And and that's it's beautiful. Any anywhere you want to go, you know it's gonna be no and, and Columbus is dead centered, so it's always just like two and a half hours away. I'm trying to think through that. Because I've not I've not done that. So like now I want to go on these little two and a half hour adventures. Yeah. Just ask yourself, okay, I want to go to a bordering state or I want to go to a lake or whatever. The answer is going to be just about the same thing. I want to go to Cleveland. I want to have, I don't know, spaghetti with chili on it. All those things will be within two and a half hours. That's probably true. Even the, like the mountains and... Um, wait, wait, wait. What are these mountains you're talking about? So how far are the mountains? Like east. So if you go oh, east down to West like the, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So West Virginia is... I only object because I hiking in Ohio, you know, I was like, oh, let's go on a hike after we moved out here. It's a different kind of commitment. Oh yeah. It's extremely flat. It's yeah. So we're, we're here for family, right? So I'm, I'm from Texas originally. Um, oh, what part of Texas? Uh, I grew up in Houston and Dallas. So okay. my wife and I, we met in LA and we loved LA, but we knew we were going to stay out there. So before we came to Argent, before we came to Ohio was where we wanted to raise family, you know, kids it was because we have, my wife has tons of family here, but before we came here, we weren't ready. We weren't ready for that. That's why we went to Argentina and we were down there for three years, but then coming back to Ohio. So we love being here for like, it's amazing for our kids like to be around family. It's just, it's phenomenal, right? It's how did you choose Argentina? Were you just like, I, you know, I really like steak. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's so funny. We were not, we weren't vegetarians, but um, we had been in LA long enough that we knew like you could have really good meals without meat and we were, we enjoyed that, you know? So we picked Argentina. The short version of it is I had already been down there before. So I had a friend who was in med school. He took a year off. And I said, one of my spring breaks during grad school, um, I said, dude, where are you going to be? And he was basically doing motorcycle diaries, you know, medical version. 
And uh, he's like, oh, I'll be in Buenos Aires at that time, your spring break. So I went down there. So I would visit him for a week and I loved it. I was like, this city's awesome. So I decided to go back that summer for eight weeks to study Spanish. Um, so that's what I did. And I'm like you. So I actually relate to your – when I'm in new situations, I'm very timid. I'm very shy. And I didn't go to a restaurant by myself for five weeks. I was down there for eight weeks. I, for the first five weeks, would walk by restaurants, like just pa- pace in front of them like 10 times, trying to like talk myself into just walking in and trying to like eat. But I was so afraid of it. I was so afraid of looking stupid. I was so afraid of messing up. Like I hadn't conquered that yet, you know? Yeah. You know, everybody's going to be staring at you, wondering why you're there alone until you figure out. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I didn't want to be drunk the whole time, like, to, to, you know, a way to like get me in, you know? So, so well, because I wasn't even going to go buy beer. Like, you have to go talk to someone to do that too. So, you know, it was absolutely horrible. So, anyways, but I was down there for eight weeks. And um, so I, I knew the city. I enjoyed it. I knew that it didn't concern my family. You know, they, they would be excited, you know, for you to be down there and not worried about your safety, even if their stereotypes are wrong for certain places. Like, it, so, so when we made this, when we got married, we made the decision like, okay, we, we're not going to stay in LA. We were both ready to leave. That's when I started developing. So actually I wasn't a developer. I didn't even know, I knew nothing. So I just learned enough so we could go down there and we chose Argentina because it was safe, at least in, I mean, it is safe, but it at least had the reputation of being safe. So it didn't concern our family. We could work there was enough like internet and stuff. There's places enough work for us. You know, my wife was going to teach English. She ended up finding a great job at international school too. So I could work on the internet, you know, cafes and we didn't need a car and we could be down there somewhat legally without having to worry about. It. So for a while, so it's like those pieces all together made why we chose down there at that time. And what's cool is now we've got a, a son who was born down there, so he's dual citizenship. So we, we joke that we have our anchor baby to Argentina. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Does he speak Spanish? No, he we're hoping. You know, if he's if he's a horrible kid, we're just gonna send him back down to Argentina because it's free everything for him. Like he can get free education, free healthcare, you know, all that stuff. And we'll just be like, Yeah. Told you you should have finished your homework. Exactly. <laughs> Later. <laughs> you didn't write that report, get on that plane. <laughs> so, we're gonna be ruthless no so, so that's that's that story that's us uh why we were down there but um i don't feel ohioan but i don't really feel texan except for like some random things that come up you know like there's some random things about texas that come up so i was interested in your your sense of uh feeling very ohioan or not and i, I think it's funny that you bring out like it brings out a conversation about being average it's so funny to me and that's probably I realize there are actually people that are in Ohio right now. It's probably insulting, but I, I feel like that's I just grew up being excessively average. So I feel like that will always be a part of me. But um no, it took a long time for Seattle to feel like home. It's always been it's felt like I've been living in a vacation because it's just so different from what I'm used to. Yeah, that's nice. But I like it. I, I don't know if I if really belong anywhere. So I'm but I you know, I live here and pay a significant amount of taxes here, so that's as good as anything. <sighs> Well, that's that's wonderful. Well, I I do believe that even though I haven't checked it out, but the, by the fact of like the way it seems like you've you've taken care into it and uh, you really want it to be good, Snipcart is probably above average. Um, so you're, you've also got another win there. So for people who are interested in uh, checking out Snipcart, it'll just take you a day or less. Um, so go check it out, and um, uh, we'll hope to to see some other kind of cool things from that. And let me know whenever you have your Calendly, your alternative to Calendly up, and. Um, I will be the single user if. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to mention it publicly because I don't know if I'll, you know. Yeah, knows, yeah. That's that's the plan right now. No one heard anything like we just said. Recording this. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's just it's just between us. So, okay. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, now you know a bit more about Snipcarts. You know about the options for using Snipcart with CraftCMS. Um, obviously, you always have that option. You could just kind of custom coded and stuff but now you have this cool plugin um really affordable and so give it a give it a run um if it's something that that seems feasible for a project or for your store if uh, you're asking a developer to build something out for you then check it out and um 
You can also check out Matt's stuff, his company at uh, workingconcept.com. He's got, honestly, like his blog is real. I mean, he has really in-depth stuff, a really excellent writer. It's really enjoyable. You know, it's beautiful too. It's got some really very sparse images and kind of graphics, but all of them are nice. So it's enjoyable. So so check him out there. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Commerce Minded. Thanks for tuning in. Go and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you.